Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. If you want to get someone's attention, just tell them a great story. If you want to inspire someone, share your success story. I believe successful women think differently. And maybe after listening to this show, you will agree. In the spotlight, Michelle Cully, CEO of Expressman Trucking and Courier in Randolph, Massachusetts. Now it's a trucking and courier service, and she's grown it into a multi-million dollar company. Her success in life has been built on courage. She is a domestic abuse survivor with a message of hope for women in these relationships. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Boy, let's jump right into your story. <laughs> now, here's when we need to have a webcam in the studio because you are so gorgeous. Thank you. And so elegant, <laughs> and you run a trucking company. <laughs> so I've got to think that when someone walks into your office for the first time, they were expecting perhaps something a little different. Yes, they were, actually. When people do walk in the office, they look at me and they said, you know, are you the owner? Is Michelle here? Who, you know, who are you, basically? And where are your overalls? Exactly, and your right. Work where boots. are your work boots? Where is your, <laughs> you know, your jacket and your work boots? And yes. <laughs> Congratulations on your success because, you, you know, it really has been a very long road. And you're very vocal about your experience in an abusive relationship from the time that you were 16 years old. I'd like to go back just a little bit further so that we can get a better perspective. So can you tell us where you grew up and what your life was like before you met this person who ended up becoming an abuser. Sure, absolutely. I grew up in Holbrook, Massachusetts. I am one of four. I have an older sister and two younger brothers. And my mom and dad that are still married after 40 plus years. Yes. I come from the most loving, amazing, close-knit family. We had one small house with one bathroom, so we became close very fast. My dad was actually a truck driver himself. And my mom um, was a stay-at-home mom raising us kids. They were truly the most amazing parents that put everything on the line to give their children the best childhood that they could. Was there a golden rule in your house? The golden rule in our house would have been that we could never leave the dinner table without you know, solving our problems or our issues that we had with each other as siblings. Because you, as you can imagine, having an older sister and two younger brothers, we fought often. <laughs> <laughs> so we all daydream about what we want to be when we grow up. Yes. If you could go back to that time in Holbrook, Massachusetts, around the dinner table, what, what were your hopes and dreams back then? I would say I thought one day I would be a teacher. I thought maybe I would be a school teacher, you know, first or second grade. But that's the only career that I thought I would end up having later on in life. Somewhere along the line, you know, here you are, you're 16 years old. Were you at Holbrook High School? Yes, I was. And, and you meet this boy. And from what I've read, you know, you've got this incredible blog. From what I've read, you know, this this was a good looking guy and and he was just a great catch. Yes, he was. Well, tell me about it. What, what attracted you to this man? His personality. He was just a very outgoing, smart, driven person. He just was smart and very well liked and just a funny person. So you had no idea that there was a real dark side to this kid. I had no idea. So I'm going to guess that this relationship probably, like most abusive relationships, starts out with sunshine and roses. Yes. And then it goes on a very different path. Talk to us about that. Yes, absolutely. Obviously, when I was that young, I didn't see anything. I was dating him at 16, and it started out verbally abusive and emotionally abusive, which I had no idea what those two things were. And I didn't think I was going through those things until 
really later on in, you know, in my 20s that I realized that's how it all started. You know, he'd put me down, tell me that I was ugly or I was stupid or I was this or that. When you hear that over and over again, you start to believe it. And I did. Again, I wasn't exposed to any of this in my own family life. And my mom and dad are still married and have such respect for each other. You know, I had some insecurities when I was younger. He completely magnified upon them and made them so much worse as the time went on that I spent with him. Isn't it interesting that there sometimes there's a person in your life who just can press all your buttons? Yes. You know, he had no problem doing that. Being a little insecure, I started to believe the things that he was saying to me. And it got so bad, you know, emotionally that it was hard for me to even look at myself in the mirror without thinking I was all of those things that he portrayed me to be. Then the verbal abuse became mm-hmm. physical. Yes. It wasn't until my later in my 20s, for the first time, we were in a car and he had pushed my head up against a window of his car. It took me by surprise. I did not expect it. I didn't know what to do. I just put my head down and I cried. You know, he made light of it and that it was nothing and it was just a joke and, you know, let's just move along and let's go to dinner. And I did. I mean, knowing that it wasn't right, I knew it wasn't right, but I was so, I didn't know how, I was so shocked and I was so surprised by it. But I loved him. Well, I say love, but at back then I thought that was love. I stayed with him and it got worse over time and it got to the point where I didn't know how to get out of it. So he, over time, started yes. hitting you and punching you and things right. like that. Yes. You know, you tell us about this incredible family that you came from. Was yes. there anyone that you confided in about all this? I didn't. No, I didn't. Why? Confide. Because I knew if I had, then my parents would never or my friends would never allow me to be with him. And not being with him at that time was worse than what I was going through in my mind. Women who are abused, I'm told, are told that they are the reason the abuser is hurting them. Yes. You made me do this. Yes. I made him. I instigated it. I caused him to be angry because of whether it be a jealous issue or just a disagreement that we had. It always ended up turning out to be my fault and, and my problem. And I made him who he was. And so, yes, yeah, so that's was him justifying why he would treat me that way. Did you ever consider going to a shelter or taking out a restraining order or any of those things as you started maybe toward the end of this relationship and you started thinking, this is not right for me? No, I never considered that. I know this is kind of crazy to say and probably for some to hear, but there were good times as well. And so we had a lot of fun together. We had a lot of laughs together. We did a lot together. The good times pushed away the bad times. I was never afraid of my life. I knew that I could leave at any time. I would never be his prisoner. The door was open. Whenever I wanted to leave, I just didn't know how to leave. So no, I never felt that way. What kept you there then? Insecurities. I did not go to college. I lived with him at the time. I drove his car. I worked for him. So everything about myself really relied on him. So I could say in my life, I had hit rock bottom when we broke up. I truly did not how to pick myself up and move on. So I stayed. What was the tipping point that, you know, they say there's always one thing that happens that makes you say to yourself, okay, that's the last time. Well, actually, he did me the favor by breaking up with me. We ended up breaking up and he came home and he said, you need to pack your stuff up and leave. I'm done. You need to get out. And I had basically had fallen to the floor crying and crying, and I just didn't know how I would pick myself up and how I was going to walk back out that door. So he called my sister and said that your sister is really a mess. You need to go pick her up. And so it was my sister, my mother, my aunt, and my best friend that came to the apartment and walked in the door, and I was rolled up in a blanket, 
and I was lying on the floor crying and crying, not knowing how I was going to get out of this mess, how I was even going to get into that car, how I was going to pack my bags. I just, I had no idea. So they came in, they put my stuff, my belongings in a bag, trash bags, and one grabbed my legs, the other three grabbed my arms, and they carried, literally carried me out and put me in the back of my sister's car. It sounds like these women in your life rescued you. Absolutely. Yes, they did. Absolutely. I have amazing friends and family. It's so interesting to watch the look on your face because you kind of got this far away look when you were telling that story. How does that feel so many years later? What do you say to that girl, that 20-year-old girl? I I feel very sad for her. I, I think about that girl and I can't believe that I am that person that was rolled up in that blanket on that floor and I needed to have people carry me out the fact that I could not stand up on my own two feet and walk out that door myself, that I say to that girl, I wish that back then you had the courage to change, you know, before it got to that point that you had the courage to leave, but but I didn't. Thank you so much for listening to the story behind her success. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry, and in the spotlight, a woman at the helm of her own multi-million dollar trucking company. Yes, you're hearing me correctly. She runs a big trucking company here in Massachusetts. Her name is Michelle Cully. And she's also a domestic abuse survivor with a powerful story of courage and perseverance. She's set to release her first book. Check out the title, High Heels in the Laundry Room, and was recently featured in Harper's Bazaar magazine. So we've come to the point in the story where you've left your abuser. He actually said, we're done. Your mother and your sisters and your best friend come and rescue you. And now you're back home. And you've got a high school diploma. Yes. What comes next? (laughs) So I wasn't back home at my parents' house. So when I was put in the back of the car, they were trying to figure out where I was going to go. And as my, I mean, I could have obviously went back with my parents. My sister and my best friend just got an apartment. As we were driving, they flipped a coin to see who was going to take me because they said, you know, we don't want her. Well, we don't want her. (laughs) Was it a win-lose thing? Exactly. (laughs) No, exactly. So I ended up at my sister's house and my sister, my best friend's house, and I stayed on the couch. And that's where I basically just, I slept. I lied there and I cried myself to myself every single day for at least a good solid week, week and a half. And then I said I needed to get out and go back to his place of business to get some things that I had to retrieve. At that point, I had not, I probably didn't even eat much. I just, I just cried. I didn't take a shower. I was a disaster. And so I peeled myself off that couch. I drove to his place of business. I went in to retrieve my things, which was so, so sad now looking back that I had one little box to fill up and I had spent so much time with them and I had this one little box and it was like as if I never existed for those years that I was with him. I gathered my things and I was walking out the door. He was walking in and he looked at me and I was just this frail girl and crying. And he said to me, what are you going to do with your life now? And I said, I have no idea. And I, and I didn't. And he looked at me straight in the face and he pointed his finger at me. He said, you remember one thing, you will never amount to anything without me. And I said, okay. And I got in my car and I drove down the street. If my life had ended at that moment and if my car had fallen off the side of the road, I could have cared less because I felt so helpless and hopeless, but I didn't, and I continued to drive. And on this very short drive to my parents' house, I said to myself, I'm going to open up a courier company. I have no idea how to do this. I don't have any money. I, have, I don't have any sort of sales or business education behind me. 
but I need to do something. I knew I didn't want to go to college. I knew that I didn't want to really work for anyone. I decided to do this. The place that I worked for before had nothing to do with courier companies. But That's what I was just about yes, to say. What, what, I get like that a, question all the okay, time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Where did the courier idea yeah. come from? In the place that I'd worked for before, I would see local couriers or UPS or FedEx coming in to pick up and deliver packages. So in this short little ride, I said to myself, I can do that. How difficult can it be? Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of TechHelpBoston, with the reasons why. It's really about forging a relationship and having a trusting relationship because your technology is very personal to you. It used to be in the old days that things were private. When you're online, nothing is private anymore. And we want to make sure that that information is kept confidential and with somebody that you trust and you feel comfortable with. You can trust Tech Help Boston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit techhelpboston.com. That's techhelpboston.com. The thing about me, though, is that I've never stopped long and hard to think about what I was about to do because had I, I would never have the courage to do what I did. So I drove. I made this decision in my head. I drove to my parents' house. They just had gotten back from vacation, and, you know, they didn't know what to do with me. And I said, you know what? I'm actually going to open up my own courier company, and I need to use your laundry room as my office. They said to me, okay. And I said, and I'll be right back. And I jumped back in my car, and I drove straight to an attorney's office. I did not have an appointment. I had no idea what INC meant at the end of at the end of the business name, but I had, you know, I saw it, so I assumed I needed it. So I walked in and I got an appointment with an attorney and he said, come on in. And I sat there and he said to me, okay, what's the name of your company? And I said, oh, I have no idea. I just came up with this. So we sat there in the back of a legal pad and just wrote down all these different names and we settled on Expressman, dropped the E and it was Expressman. I walked out of there with a big fat bill that I had no idea I was going to pay. And you were on your way. I was on my way. Yes, I Isn't was. it so amazing, <laughs> Michelle? First of all, thank you so much for being on the show and telling this story. But thank isn't you. it so amazing that sometimes we have to hit absolutely the rock bottom. Yes. I'm thinking about his finger in your face. You will never amount to anything without me. That girl rose up and said, you want to make a bet? Absolutely. Yes. He did you a favor that day. Oh, absolutely. I owe him the biggest thank you note. He really did do me a favor. And that drive, when I was driving to my parents, I had these thoughts to myself. And I said to myself, how did I allow this to happen? Because I actually allowed this to happen. Like I said earlier, I could have left at any time. I could have. The door was open, but I chose to stay. On this drive, I said to myself, Michelle, you have one life. That's all you get is one life, and it's up to you to make it whatever you want it to be. So you need to find the courage within yourself to go to your parents' house, to tell them what you want to do, to go start this company, and just believe in yourself for once. You have nothing to lose. You're at the bottom. You can't, it doesn't get any worse than this for you right now. And that's why I mm-hmm. decided to do something with my life for myself. The early years of any company are really tough. Yes. And it is so hard to be a independent small business person. Absolutely. How'd you get through those first few <laughs> years? Oh, she's laughing now, right? Lots of tears. Lots of tears. And back then we had pagers and I broke a lot of pagers. But, you know, I it was really difficult. So when I started the company, um, after I'd gotten incorporated and, and I went to a supply store and got the supplies that I needed, and three days later I was sitting in my parents' laundry room 
on a bump a pool table with a phone, I picked up the yellow pages and I started to call on printing companies after getting rejected 60 times in a row. Finally, I had someone that said, sure, we'll use your services. And I remember saying to them, you will? And they said, okay. So I would have to call forward my office phone to my pager to then find pay phones to call the customers because we didn't have cell phones back then. So to answer your question, it was really difficult, but I just kept going. I never stopped. I just kept going because I knew I had to, and I knew that I needed to. I'm thinking to myself, you know, I remember talking to someone who said, well, you know, I had a desk and a phone. You had a bumper table in a laundry room. I did. And a pager that was connected to a phone. A push-button phone. Oh, oh my God. Yes, I did. You know, the irony in all this is that I have zero sense of direction. I really, and back then, we didn't have GPS or, you know, our MapQuest. We had those big old-fashioned um, map books. So it was, it was, so I would disguise so my you voice now. to customers to get directions. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. How do you talk the talk and walk the walk in this male-dominated world? That's what I want to know. You have to have confidence. You have to know that, first of all, rejection's okay. You know, being told no over and over again only makes you stronger. So I knew that, again, nobody was going to do this for me. I would walk into these boardrooms or these meetings, these conferences, truly sometimes not even knowing what I was doing, but I would never let them know that about me. I would walk in. I would sell my product, which was my service. I would give the best pricing that I could. And, you know, they didn't need to know that it was me that was doing the deliveries behind, you know, behind the scenes. They didn't need to know that. I just went in there and took chances. 100 people work for you now. you got a 30,000 square foot warehouse. What is it like to work for Michelle Cully? Or should I have brought a couple of your employees in here? <laughs> um, what would they say if I interviewed them today? The thing about Expressman is we are a team. I don't like to say that people work for me because we all work together. We're all in this together. If Expressman does well, we all do well. It's what I preach. It's what I practice with all our employees. I have longevity. I have dedication there. We are all there for each other. And so I think that I'm easygoing. I think that I can be fun to work with, but they also know when it's time to get serious. And they also know when it's time to be the leaders that I expect them to be as well. So there's a picture of you in the truck with your heels in your hands. <laughs> and so it's, and you're sitting here, you know, looking gorgeous today. You're holding on to your femininity. And I'm thinking that in this male dominated world of trucking, you kind of have to. Oh, absolutely, you do. Yes. I mean, I, for me, one thing to go back into that point though is that I dressed up every single day in a suit and heels and had an empty briefcase. I would go to the office, which was the laundry room, every day in a suit and heels in this empty briefcase. I would click through my parents' house and I would go to the laundry room and my dad would say to me, Mish, where are you going dressed like that? You're only going to the laundry room. And I would say to him, no, dad, I'm going to the office. Because when you dress up and you know you put those heels on in that briefcase and I don't care where you got it, it doesn't matter. You feel good, you look good, you're going to work better. You're going to work stronger and harder. It's just, it's good to do that. It's good to practice that. And I tell that to my team all the time. You know, there have been studies that have been done that, that clearly show that what you wear has a mental effect on yes. how you are feeling. Absolutely. If you take someone and you put a doctor's white coat on them, they automatically feel a lot smarter. Yes, true. Tell me about your children. You are a mom. I am a mom. I have two amazing children. My daughter is Jessica. She's 18, and we're looking at colleges. And my son, Ryan, is 16. I'm married to my husband, Dan, who's a wonderful supporter of mine. So when you look at your 18-year-old daughter, do you, look, do you see yourself at all and think, oh, my God, I was in such a bad place 
when I was her age. You know, I do. I look at that. Thankfully, she's a very strong young girl. But I do share, you know, a lot of the experiences and, and the issues that I've gone through with her. And I always remind her, and, and, and my son Ryan as well, that I don't want you to have to ever rely on someone. I mean, only for love and for friendship, but I want you to make something for yourself. I want you to be, whatever that field is, I want you to be able to only have yourself to rely on. Stand on your own two feet. Absolutely. You are also a local business owner with a strong commitment to the community here in greater Boston. Tell me about your favorite charities. Dress for Success is a wonderful charity. I also donate a lot of time um, to the Hospice House in Hingham, which is a huge organization and much needed volunteers and much needed funding. I do a lot of other things, whether it be 5Ks or the PMC I did as well for four years in a row. So, And I know we met at the Empower, Empower Her, which is another gala. wonderful gala. And, and of course, Kara Belvin has been yes. a guest on this program she is wonderful. as well. Harper's Bazaar heard yes. all about you, Miss <laughs> Michelle Cully, and they decided to feature you in their fabulous at every age list. Yes. Wow. It was incredible. What was that like? Being there, I felt so validated for all the work, all the hard work and the journey that I've been on. When I got up to receive my award, I thanked them and thanked them because, again, being there, it just gives you such validation. It gives you, like, you're not alone, and we're all in this together, all us women. We all put our heart and souls out there, and it's, it's a tough road, and it's a tough path for us. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? I talk it through. I do. I try to look at, you know, the positive, the negative. I try to, you know, work through with my team or my spouse or my children. Sometimes because I kept a lot to myself through those dark days. So now talking through it is the best, for me, it's the best therapy that I can give to myself. I believe that entrepreneurs succeed because they're fearless most of the time. If there's a someone who's listening to this and they've got this little idea in their head, they're driving down the road listening to you talking and they think, I've got an idea for something. What's your advice to someone who's about to jump off the cliff? Absolutely. My advice is if you believe in it and you believe in yourself, take that chance. No one thing, though, it's not going to be easy. And if it was that easy, everyone would do it. So it's not. And when I started out, I wrote that down on a piece of paper and I ripped it out and I folded it up and I kept it in my pocket. And every day you know, that I came across, it was a bad day, I would take it out and I would reread it and remind myself that it's not that easy, but it's your journey, it's your path, and it's your life. So if you believe in it, then take that chance, because if you don't, then you will never know. Success means different things to different people. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to you? How do you measure success? By my family, by my children, my, my friends. I define success by what I've created and not necessarily the financial side of it. It's the fact that I provide jobs. It's the fact that I give others opportunities that may never get a chance. That, to me, is success. Here you are at the top of your game. What is next for you? My book should be finished, hopefully, at the end of April, and then it would be published in September. So I hope to take that book and go on some speaking engagements and inspire others. And it's not how to start a company. It's not any of that. It's just my story. It's my journey. It's about this girl that started her business out of necessity. It was this girl that was broke and down and out and at her worst and rock bottom in her life. But she chose to pick up and change it because no one was going to do it for her. And the book is called High Heels in the Laundry Room. And now we know the reason for it, right? (laughs) Yes. That's where you got all dressed up and strutted your way into the laundry room and sat there next to the bumper pool table and and dryer. (laughs) 
What would you say to your 20-year-old self? What would I say to my 20-year-old self? That even though in the darkest times and you thought that there was no hope, there was light and there was a place for me to shine. I just had to dig deep and I had to believe in it and then I had to execute it. And that's exactly what I did. I want to say thanks so much for being our guest on The Story Behind Her Success. Thank you for telling your story. Thank you for having me. And inspiring so many people. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Story Behind Her Success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. This is a new series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. Connect with Candy anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story? We'd love to hear it.